the info track. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Women face a significantly higher risk than men of dying or suffering heart failure in the years following a heart attack. What are the reasons? Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. For years, research showed that men who suffered heart attacks seem to have somewhat better outcomes than women. But now, an important study indicates a favorable trend, even though women still are not faring as well as men after a major coronary event. Joining us now to explain it all is Dr. Justin Ezekowitz, Professor of Cardiology and Director of Cardiovascular Research at the University of Alberta. Doctor, we've heard about the gap between how physicians diagnose and treat men who've suffered a heart attack versus women who've had one. Your study is clearly distinguished by your finding on what's happening to that gap. What did you find? We've been interested in the differences in the care between men and women when they have heart disease, and you've highlighted a really good distinction is that men and women, while they may present and be diagnosed in different ways, we really wanted to look at the outcomes of what happened if they were having a heart attack, and specifically what happened in hospital, but also what's really important is after hospital, what happens in terms of their risk for things such as dying, which is obviously very serious, but also developing a more chronic heart condition such as heart failure, where the heart pump doesn't pump very well. So we were very interested in looking at these differences and how they changed over really decades of care as we've got all these new wonderful medications and treatments and really applying that in practice can sometimes be a challenge. But the rates of diagnostic and intervention procedures for men versus women, what has happened to the gap in how those are rolled out? We've long been aware that there has been a gap between men and women and how they're treated with interventions, especially things like coronary angiograms and then the, the stents that come after that. What we were looking at specifically was how that gap was narrowing over two decades of time in a very all-encompassing community. And one of the things we notice is the gap is narrowing, but it's not fully closed. And that's one of the key messages that we wanted to bring out in our paper was that our study has highlighted that, yes, we've made progress, but we're not quite there yet. Give us some examples of the diagnostic procedures and interventions that have over time differed in how they've been applied to men and women. The first thing is an angiogram at the time of a heart attack. Now, a coronary angiogram is where we take a picture of the arteries using dye and a special x-ray camera, and that has become the standard for treating heart attacks to get the information we know about the arteries of the heart. Now, over time, that has really dramatically improved for both men and women, but there's still a gap in the difference between the two different types of heart attack that men and women with a STEMI, the very serious and abrupt heart attack, are really nearing 80 or 90% of men and women are getting an angiogram versus in the other type of heart attack, men are getting this procedure much more often than women. And that's a very key procedure because it really does dictate a lot of the course for the next days as well as weeks and months of their care. Do we know what's led to the gap closing a little bit? Well, number one, I think that there's greater awareness that there is a gap, and so people will be much more attentive to ensuring that they treat individuals and their patients regardless of their gender and also regardless of their age, being aware of all these factors that are in practice, that we've really had to become aware that we do have our own individual biases when we practice. That's number one. 
Number two is that the availability of procedures and other ways to diagnose and treat a heart attack have also become much more mainstream. So it's no longer just at large hospitals. It's now at smaller academic centers and smaller community centers. So it is much easier for more people to get the appropriate care. And then the final part is that as more people have become aware of what the treatments are happening that, that they require at the time of a heart attack, the system has really been optimized to do that quickly and provide the care very quickly and upfront, rather than perhaps waiting two or three days into the care and then doing something in terms of the diagnosis, in terms of like things like an angiogram. So many health systems and hospitals and community centers have really spent a lot of time figuring out the system to optimize an individual's care so that they can get these things up front quickly and often home within two or three days of a heart attack. And that may sound remarkable, considering that the average stay in a hospital was between two to three weeks or even four to six weeks 50 years ago. We're visiting with Dr. Justin Ezekowitz, Professor of Cardiology and Director of Cardiovascular Research at the University of Alberta. Doctor, in spite of the good news about the gap closing somewhat, your study did conclude that women's chances of dying or having a heart failure after an attack versus men is still not where it needs to be. How much higher of a risk do women face of having a negative coronary experience after their first heart attack? Yeah, that's a very important thing to highlight from our study, which is that although there's been progress, there's still more to go. We identified that there's for the certain type of heart attack called the STEMI, which is a one type of heart attack and it's a serious abrupt type of heart attack, there is some risk to women that is about 20% higher than that of men in terms of dying or developing heart failure over time. And that is even after adjusting for all the other things that we can account for, such as age or other treatments received, or even other uh, the other diagnoses that they may have, such as hypertension or diabetes that they carry with them as they've developed their heart disease. So that 20% higher risk is quite important because that signifies a lot of women who are unfortunately not perhaps getting the care that they need or unfortunately having a result that we did not anticipate to happen compared to their male counterpart. And generally, were women in your study in more serious condition when they arrived at the hospital compared to men? Well, this is another nice highlighting point, which is, in general, women were about 10 years older than men when they presented for their heart attack. So that gap is quite large. And that, we've known about that gap for some time. That's not a new finding, but when you put it in context of the treatments received and often the care that results of the early diagnosis and treatment, that that gap of 10 years plus the additional comorbidities or things such as diabetes or hypertension or other diseases that they may already have over those additional 10 years, that does make it a bit more complicated. And so we had to understand whether or not it was simply an extra decade of life plus the additional diabetes and hypertension that was accounting for this. But our findings are robust even after accounting for those. So that's a very important finding that even after accounting for a decade of extra life, we still see a gap and we need to close that gap. Your study found that, as we know, women were less likely to receive a diagnostic angiogram or even see a heart specialist and were prescribed fewer medications. Do we know if this combination of factors left them more vulnerable to a future cardiac event? 
Yes, we think those, it's the combination of things. No, there's not just one thing that accounts for all the differences, and I think it's a combination of factors. So we do feel that being seen by somebody with a knowledge in cardiovascular medicine, such as a cardiologist or a cardiovascular specialist, is quite important. And seeing that individual can often dictate a little bit of the subsequent care. So that's one part. The medications we have these days now for treating a person with a heart attack and, and then that they need to remain on, in the subsequent weeks, months, or years are quite powerful and, and have an incredible effect on preventing both the development of heart failure but also keeping people alive. So that small difference in the number of medications received or even the doses that they received of those medications likely contributes to that as well. So we tried to account for all those small things that when put together make up for that difference. And Trying to tease those apart is often quite difficult because every patient is an individual and every interaction is an opportunity to improve that care, but it's a compendium of things or the whole package put together that makes the difference. Finally, doctor, what is your advice to men and women on lifestyle changes to reduce the chance of a heart attack? Well, this is where nobody likes to hear from me because it's all the basics. (laughs) It's simply the things that you've heard a thousand times, but they are very straightforward. Number one, stop smoking. Number two, eat a healthy diet, which includes also getting your cholesterol checked and making sure it's hitting the targets. Number three, manage blood pressure. Make sure you're on the appropriate medications for blood pressure. Number four, and nobody likes me to say this, but you have to get your exercise, and that's really critical, especially as we age, to ensure you're getting your daily exercise. Don't put it off. And number five is really important, which is manage people's stress and ensure you have good social connections, as that has a big impact on how people do before a heart attack and after a heart attack. So I think nobody wants to hear that they have to do exercise and eat well and quit smoking, but those are actually fundamentally important to how we care for ourselves. Dr. Justin Azikowitz, Professor of Cardiology and Director of Cardiovascular Research at the University of Alberta. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.